So a couple weeks ago, uh, we talked about how uh, the world is full of advice, and some of it's good, and some of it's bad, and I actually ran across a post this last week where people were sharing some of the bad advice that they'd been given in their life, and some of it was kind of funny, and, um, or maybe you want to take it or try it out, I don't know. Uh, so I thought I'd share it with you. Um, one person said, um, this is what they posted, they don't want you to know this, but the ducks at the park are free... Do- are we okay? Is everything okay? There we go. They don't want you to know this, but the ducks at the park are free, and you can take them home with you. And this person was like, now I have 17 ducks at my house, and I don't know what to do with them. Uh, or, or this person said, you ever get caught, if you ever get caught sleeping on the job or at school, just slowly raise your head and say, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> and I actually thought that was pretty good advice. That wasn't bad advice. Uh, And then my personal favorite, uh, one girl said that her grandpa told her that when she was a kid, that if you see a bear and you don't have time to run away, just run up and give it a hug because bears cannot scratch their stomachs. And so if you're giving them a hug, and that's probably, somebody somebody should try that out. I don't know. Uh, So there's a lot of bad advice out there, but there's some good advice out there too. And, And we're inundated with it all the time. It seems like if you're on social media, everybody is an influencer. Everybody's a life coach. Everybody's an expert. Everybody's a business guru. Everybody's a thought leader. Everybody's some sort of financial expert. But, but have you ever come across two pieces of what felt like or seemed like really good advice and they both seem to ring true, but they are completely contradictory to one another. And you're like, what what do you do? Like, what what do you do then? Like, do do you do them both? Do you ignore them both? How how do you decide? And the truth is when it comes to how we live and who we're becoming, there's tons of advice out there, but there's so little actual wisdom. Like we're flooded with all kinds of facts and information all the time, but it's often missing truth of how the world actually works that's helpful for us and how we should live. We're constantly being told what's missing and what we need to do or buy or add or start. But as we move into this year, as I said a second ago, we're going to begin a conversation that's designed for the opposite. It's designed for some subtraction. But we're not there yet. It's still 2023. And so for the next however long, you get to ignore the reality of all the bad choices you've made in the last month leading up to Christmas. And you get to ignore that at least until Tuesday because although the new year starts tomorrow, it's technically a holiday and everybody gets the holiday off. And so you can still, you get one more mulligan. You can make all kinds of bad choices about sleep and eating and everything. And you can do, do some ridiculous stuff. But it's, you get a fresh start starting on Tuesday. But today I actually wanted to back up a little bit in the conversation. Because this, this next month we're going to get really, really practical. But there's a, a more foundational conversation that I wanted us to have. Because when we start talking about how we build our lives, about who we're becoming, there there are some words of Jesus that I think are really important for us to step into. They're they're found in Luke chapter 14. Luke, who was a disciple, a friend and follower of Jesus, who decided to document the things that Jesus said said and did. And so in Luke chapter 14, he records this conversation, and I'm going to read it to you out of the children's Bible. And the reason I'm going to do that is because I love the children's Bible, because it just 
makes things super easy to understand. And so you can use, normally we use a, a translation called the New Living Translation, and so you can read it in that if you want, or the NIV or whatever, whatever fits your fancy. But today, uh, we're going to read these verses from the children's Bible. And so in verse 28, it says, uh, Jesus says this, if you wanted to build a tower, you would first sit down and decide how much it would cost. You must see if you have enough money to finish the job. Is if you don't do that, you might begin the work, but you would not be able to finish. And if you could not finish it, then all the people would see it and would laugh at you. They would say, this man began to build what, but was not able to finish. Verse 31, if that tower imagery wasn't good enough, he's like, I got another one for you. If a king is going to fight against another king, First, he will sit down and plan. If the king has only 10,000 men, he will plan to see if he's able to defeat the other king who has 20,000 men. And if he can't defeat the other king, then he will send some men to speak to the other king to negotiate or ask for peace. So maybe it's obvious to you. Maybe you've been reading the Bible. Maybe, maybe you just know, but, or maybe it's, maybe it's not obvious. But Jesus isn't actually talking about military strategy or the ins and outs of building a tower in this passage. He's actually giving us a, a couple of pictures. He's talking to us about the journey of our life, the journey of your life and of my life. He's talking to us about us wrestling with the questions that we should all wrestle with or, or at least begin to consider. And many times at this time of the year is the time where we actually think through some of this stuff. But, but questions like, what kind of life am I actually building? Will I become who I was created to become? Will I actually be able to finish the work for which I was created? And so he says, if you want to build a tower, if you want to build a life that matters, if you want to build a life worth living, a life worth remembering, you got to sit down and actually make some decisions and do some thinking and have some calculations. And so he starts with a simple idea, this idea of like, you got to sit down and just decide what you want. You got to sit down and decide who you want to be, what your life's going to be like. And I think this is fascinating, fascinating because you'd expect the conversation that Jesus wants to have with us to be only about what God wants for our lives. But instead, he starts talking about what we want. And I feel like part of the implication is like, look, we can talk all day long about what God wants, but if you don't want what God wants, it isn't going to matter what God wants for you because you're going to do whatever you want. And so he's like, you got to sit down and decide what you want to build, which kind of seems obvious to us when the conversation is about building a tower. But the truth is, every single one of us is building something far more important than a tower. I mean, how many of us have actually done this process in our own lives? How many of us put more time and thought and planning into a holiday party that we just celebrated a week ago or two weeks ago than, than we did in what our life is actually going to be like this entire next year. Now, I'm not talking about making resolutions or, or creating some empty promises to yourself. I mean, taking the time to sit down and reflect on who you are and who you've become and where your life is headed and what direction you're going and, and what you want and who you want to be, because this is where it begins. And 
It's difficult for us because you can actually get into your 20s and 30s and even 40s and never have really even done this. Because as we grow up and move into adulthood, it's easy to just start building your life with no real plan or no real idea about what you're building. Yeah, I mean, you have some things that you want. You got to work and you got to pay the bills. And maybe you want to go to college. You may want to go to this school. You want to do that. And of course, like you want to live in a little bit nicer place and drive a little bit something a little bit nicer than you were driving, and we hope to meet somebody, and we kind of want to have a family one day. But we, we don't really think about the kind of life that we want to build. We don't really think about the kind of person that we want to be at our core, what our life is going to be like. And so Jesus begins really, really basic, and he's going, look, you got to decide if this is what you want. you got to decide who you're going to be. you got to decide what you want in your life. And what's funny is, we're usually far more in love with the idea of a certain kind of life than we are the reality of that life. And in fact, at the end of today, we're going to talk about why Jesus actually was having this conversation with the people that were there. Because it's not the tower that throws us off. It's the building of the tower that messes us up, right? Because we want the tower, but we don't want the work. We just want the tower to be finished, Right? We, we want a certain kind of life, but who we have to become in order to actually have that kind of life, uh, not so much. Right? And it's that way with a lot of things. Like I, I've, We've lived here for going on four years now, and I love about how much it snows. Like I love when it snows, and I love that it's not, there's not snow on the ground all winter. And I've, I've lived here long enough to still be romantic about shoveling my driveway. In my mind, I'm just going to run out there and do it real quick. And it's never, ever, ever gone that way. About an hour in, I'm sweating and I'm pulling off my coat and I'm mad because we've driven on it and now it's like mashed down in and I got to scrape it off. And it is, uh, the idea of shoveling my driveway is always, I'm always excited. The actual process is not so much fun. But that's the way we are in our life. We, we fall in love with, we romanticize it. I want to be this person. I want to do these things. I want to have that. But then the, the, the life that we actually have to live, the work, the building of the tower, well, I don't think so. You know, one of the challenges in relationships, one of the challenges in loving people, right, is that we often want a better life for them than they want for themselves. But that's the thing. No one can decide for you the life that you're going to have. Nobody can decide for you who you're going to be. Nobody can build your tower for you. Even here in this space, when it comes to your faith, when it comes to your relationship with God, we can worship and teach and build an infrastructure and community to help you, but you still have to choose who you're going to be. You still have to choose to step into a relationship with your creator. See, the truth is, if you don't decide the life that you want, you're just going to end up getting whatever life that you actually get. Have you ever known somebody who looked at the tower that is their life and they complained because it wasn't the tower they wanted, not realizing that they were the ones who built it. They had spent their whole life building that tower and they looked at that, who built this tower? This isn't what I want my life to be like. In our minds, like so often the tower that Jesus is talking about is achievement or fame or success or wealth or happiness. The problem that with that being the tower in our life is that someone always comes along who's built a bigger, better, nicer, higher tower than our tower. 
And if that's the tower that you give your life to, if you give your life to achievement, if you give your life to, to, to just having more and bigger and better and wealth and happiness, your life is going to be filled with envy and jealousy and despair and insecurity and anxiety and regret. And see, that's why this conversation matters. Be careful what tower you give your life to. See, if you stepped back and you looked at your life today and you assessed where you are, what kind of tower have you built? As of today, just looking at your life objectively. I always love the exercise um, at being a, a pastor and a leader, sometimes not knowing what to do. The exercise, the, the mental exercise of like, if I fired me and then hired me and I didn't know anything about this and I came in, what would I do then? Right? If, if somebody fired you as the CEO, the tower builder in your life, and you, you were a consultant to you, and you were standing there next to you looking at the tower that is your life, and you were giving you advice, what would you change? What would you do? How would you assess the tower that you've built? I think if some of us were honest, some of us would have to say, well, this isn't really the tower I want. And honestly, there's no shame. There's no guilt in that. In fact, it's so much better to kind of cut bait with a half-built tower and start fresh when it's not the life that you want to build. In fact, that's really the beautiful part of what, of, of what God offers us, is that you can start and restart. You can begin again as many times as you need, that you can keep changing and shifting as you learn and grow in your relationship with him. See, the truth is, yesterday is dead, so just bury it. 2023 is dead. All the good, all the bad, all the ugly, God is actually wanting to capture your heart and your imagination with the possibility of all of the tomorrows that are yet to be born in your life. You're not stuck. The question is, what do you want? What do you want to be? What do you want from God? What do you want Jesus to do in your life this next year? What do you want to be remembered for when you're at the end of your life? See, because nobody accidentally builds a tower. Everybody's like, well, we just were working and all of a sudden this tower popped up. And, and nobody accidentally builds a life worth living. So when, if you've been around church for any length of time, you know that Jesus is kind of known in church circles for historically that for being a carpenter, that he was the son of a carpenter. But, but most experts, a lot of scholars and historians who actually know the language and are experts in the context and the culture that Jesus lived, they actually believe that he was something more like a stonemason. That, that the carpenter is just kind of a, a faulty translation of, of what he was actually doing. That he, he was an architect and a builder, that he worked with stone, not with wood. Which I think is interesting when it comes to this metaphor that he's laying out for us. Because he knew that a tower is built one stone at a time. And the same thing is true of our lives. As you're building your life this year, you have to decide what stones you're going to put where. What stones you're going to build with. The reality is that the choices that you and I make every day are really the only indicator of the tower that you're building in your life, of the life that you're building, of the future that you're creating. So what is it that you're doing today? What are you going to be today? What are the habits that make up your life today? What are the choices that you're making today? See, so often we pretend or act like the future and our destiny and who we're becoming that it's just so mysterious that we, we can't ever really know, but the truth is, like, we can know because our destiny is really our daily habits. It's the choices that you make every single day of your life because you're creating the future every time you make a decision. You have to decide what you want and then begin to aim your life in that direction. But it's not enough just to decide what you want. 
This is where it starts getting really tricky because Jesus says you also have to determine what it'll take to get there. He actually uses the phrase, you got to count the cost. You got to weigh it out. You got to see if you have enough money to finish the project. Isn't it strange that Jesus would use this language when he's talking to us about life and the life that we're building, when he's talking to us about our faith and our relationship with God, about what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus? Because we're tempted to go, wait, I I thought everything that we need for life has already been paid for by Jesus. I mean, isn't that what he did? Isn't, Isn't that what God's grace is all about? But the thing is, is, and it is absolutely true that you are loved completely without any conditions. Grace means that there's nothing that you can never do that will cost you God's love or God's acceptance of your life. But God's grace is not an exemption from or a loophole around the sweat and the sacrifice and even the suffering that may be necessary to live out the life that God created you to live. So we need to decide not just what we want, we need to determine what it's going to take. You need to count the cost to see if you have enough money to finish the job. Just like he was not talking about towers, he's not really talking about money, right? He's asking, are are you willing to pay the price? Have you thought this through? Are you willing to pay the price to live the life that you say you want? Are you willing to become the kind of person that has the marriage that you say that you want to have? Are you willing to actually pay the price to be the kind of father, the kind of mother? Are you willing to pay the price to go deeper in your relationship with God? Are you willing to make the sacrifice? Are you willing to do what's necessary? I think so often we're tempted to believe that the reason that you can't build the life that you want, the, the reason that you can never become who you were created to be, the reason that you, you never lived your calling is because of the hand that you were dealt, that you just don't have enough talent or intelligence or opportunity, that there was just too many obstacles, too many setbacks, you had the wrong family, you were born in the wrong place, you didn't have enough money, it just all, the, the deck was stacked against you. But I can tell you this morning that none of that is the ceiling on your life. The only ceiling on your life, the only ceiling on my life, the only ceiling on your faith and my faith is our willingness to pay the price to fulfill the calling that God has placed inside of us. When I was in high school, you can't tell now, but when I was in high school, I played basketball, I played varsity basketball, and I know, I got a, I got a basketball body. I'm basketball height, got a basketball body. I'm shaped like a basketball. That's the only thing that, that, that works now. Um, but I, I played a lot, a lot of basketball, and, and I was on a pretty good team. I went to a, a private school, and, and uh, we made some noise in the Sacramento, uh, Sacramento region when I was playing, and, and it was a lot of fun. And, um, uh, but the, the best player on our team was not the best player on our team. We had this one guy, and he was so gifted and so talented, and he was a starter, um, but he was not the best player on our team. He was the most talented by far but he was barely a starter. And then we had this guy that if you looked at him and you watched him play and you just assessed his talent level, he had no business being on the court. He really didn't. But he was our best player and it wasn't even close. He outworked, outhustled. He just paid the price no matter every, no plays off. He never, he never took, he worked, he outworked everybody on the court all the time. If you've ever played any sort of sports, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've probably been around some of those people. See, it's not 
talent that's holding you back. It's, are you willing to actually step into and begin to pay the price for the life that God is inviting you into? You got to decide what you want, but you also have to determine what it's going to take, what it's going to cost you. I got really good news for you this morning. Any place that Jesus is, is a place where miracles happen. But the bad news is, is it's not a place where magic happens. And that's really what we want, right? Because if God calls you to be a doctor, I got bad news for you. You still have to go to med school in order to do that. He's not just going to show up and sprinkle some angel dust on you and poof, you're a neurosurgeon. And honestly, if I need brain surgery, I want the surgeon who's paid the price and done the work, not the angel dust surgeon. How about you? I don't want somebody walking in the door going, God called me to do this and I haven't been to school. I don't know anything about surgery, but God, God's gifted me to do it. Mm, no, thanks. I choose life, you know? Right, it's because everybody wants to do something spectacular in their life, right? Everybody wants God to do some sort of miracle in their life, but nobody wants to have to do anything to actually create the environment for that miracle. I, I love... What one pastor said, he says, if you want God to do the super, you have to be willing to do the natural. That there's a part that's your part to do. And so Jesus actually uses, this is where I think the second metaphor comes in. Jesus uses the second metaphor, that of a, a king preparing to fight for war. And notice he wasn't asking whether the odds were stacked against him because the odds were stacked against him in the story. In fact, it, he says the one king only has 10,000 soldiers and the enemy king has 20,000 soldiers. See, I think for some of us, our problem is like we, we're never really stepping into an assignment or a task or a life that requires any sort of sacrifice or risk. There's no faith required, even in our faith. We only pick fights where the odds are in our favor. We only pick fights we know we can win. We only pick fights we know we can win even without God. And so we step into things and we, we only go into those places and do those things. And because of that, our life is small. We don't want it to be small, but we don't want to take the risk to move beyond the sure thing. We, we need to have the outcome determined. We need to have the control over what's going to happen. But then there's others of us that we have the opposite problem. We keep picking fights that we're not prepared for at all. And then we get mad at God when he doesn't bail us out. But no, notice the calculation in Jesus' story. The calculation is this. Is this a fight we should be fighting? Have we planned and strategized and trained in a way that we can win this fight? Because if we haven't, we should go and make peace with what we got right now. St. Augustine said that without God, we cannot but without us, God will not. I love that. Because so often we just want to say, it's all God. If God wants it to happen, it's going to happen. Mm, I think you need to be in the room. I think you actually have to count the cost. You're the one building the tower in Jesus' story, not God. See, here's what I want you to know. God is not going to drop into your life and build the tower for you. He's just not. That's not the way it works. If it was, Jesus would have said, hey, you know what, you guys? 
You just need to trust God and then just step out of the way because he's going to step in and build the tower. Don't worry about counting the cost because God's picking up the tab on this one. That's not what he says at all. That's not the picture, in fact, that we get anywhere in the scriptures. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, the apostle Paul says, But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Pay attention to the language. He uses words like straining, pressing toward the goal. Does that sound like he's just like, well, if it wants God, God wants it to happen, it's going to happen. No, no, no. And notice the, the life that he's using this language for is not a small life that's just all about me. It's a calling toward a bigger life. It's a life that's aimed and bent heavenward, a life that's bigger than just this life. See, the price that Jesus paid for our forgiveness and our freedom and the cost that he calls us to take on to follow him and live out our intention, they're two different things. And so Jesus says, are you willing to pay the price to become the person that God is calling you to become? Are you willing to pay the price to live the life that God created you to live? Are you willing to pay the price to build the tower that is your life? Are you willing to pay the price to follow me? Yeah, I think sometimes people look and go, wait a minute, why are you working so hard? Where's your faith? And I think the answer is, I'm working so hard because of my faith. Because I've found something worth giving my life to, worth giving my all to, worth giving everything to. So in Jesus' story, first you have to decide what you want. Then you have to determine what it takes. But then there's this idea, this implication that once you've decided and once you've weighed it all out, then you got to do what you must to build that tower. In fact, he says, if you could not finish it, then all would see it and laugh at you, and they would say, this man began to build but was not able to finish it. I know that sounds bad, but I actually think this is an incredible picture of hope because it seems, it feels like Jesus' assumption is that if we decide and if we weigh it out and if we pay the price, we should be able to finish it. The entire imagery in these metaphors is around our success, that God has leveraged himself for us. That it's not going to come without cost. It's not going to come without work. It's not going to come without sacrifice. In his story, the people who lose, the people who get laughed at, are the ones who didn't decide, the ones who didn't count the cost, which I think is helpful. But you have to decide to do whatever it takes to do what you must, to become who you must become. So I've been running pretty regularly for a while. And you know how at first when you don't enjoy something, but then you get into it and you get into a rhythm and you find a groove and then you love it? Yeah, it's not like that. It's not like that for me <laughs> and running at all. Like at all. I hate it. I've hated it every single time, three or four times a week for three or four years. And I keep thinking, maybe today's going to be the day that I love it. Nope, still hate it. And then there's the eating side of it. Have you ever, like, do you ever start working out 
And then you get on the scale and you're like, you're a liar. I worked out one time. And you want to trade in your scale for one with a better attitude and a more positive perspective on life. Or you ever eaten healthy one time and you felt so good about it, you were so proud that you celebrated later that day with tacos? You're just like, yes, I did it. I had a salad. Woo! See, you know, you know what I wish when I look at my life? I wish that the good that I want to live, I, I wish that the best version of me, the, 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 the version that God created me to be, I wish that that just came naturally and easily to me. But they never have. It never has. In fact, the lesser version of me is always what comes naturally in pretty much every area of my life. How about you? See, I'm not a builder, but even I know that I know enough to know that a tower isn't built by laying down a single stone, right? You're not going to be healthy by working out one time. You have to go back and pick up another stone and lay it down. And then you got to go back and pick up another stone and lay it down. And then you got to do it again and again and again and again. And the crazy thing about doing something like that is a lot of work can go into it and you step back to look at your work and it doesn't even look like a tower. You're just like, what have I been doing this whole time? But if you stay at it, if you'll do what you must, you will build a life worth living. You will build, build a deep and rich faith and relationship with God. No doubt in the year ahead, you're going to make some really big decisions and do some big things. You're going to be faced with some huge opportunities. And, and there's not going to be a lot of them, but you're going to have some big moments to make to do some, to make some big moves, some bold moves, to make some big decisions about your life and your business or your job or whatever. And those moments are going to be the, the moments that grab the headlines in your life. Those will be the moments that you give all of your time and energy and attention to. But can I tell you something? That it's the totality of all the, the, the a million little moments in your life. It's the momentum of all the little decisions and all the little habits and all the daily choices that you make that will actually shape your life this, this year and actually will determine the tower that you're building. See, we, we want to we wanna think like we make a couple of decisions and boom, the tower's made. But it's all the daily sacrifice paying the price to become who God created you to be. I don't know about you, but there's part of me that looks at all this and goes, um, yeah, like I don't, whew, I'm kind of too tired <laughs> for building a whole tower or a new tower. I'm just trying to keep my tower from falling down. It was like prop it up, kind of stack some rocks on this side. He's kind of leaning. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But here's what we see over and over and over again in the scriptures, and here's what I've experienced in my own life. When it comes to our faith, when it comes to our relationship with God, when it comes to the life that we're building, if we will do small things like they're big things, God will do the big things like they're small things. There's some big stuff that you're going to come up against in building your life. That's too big for you. We all have those moments. And those are the moments that you can count on and trust God to step in and do what you cannot do. But there's a million little moments every single day. He's not going to build the tower for you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 
That guy, Paul, that wrote the same passage in Philippians that we read a second ago about straining and pressing on, he wrote these words. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Run your life to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. He's going, we should have more tenacity, more energy, more passion. We should be more serious about the life that we're living and who we're becoming and the faith that we're trying to live out and living for the person who's given his life for us. We should be way more committed to that than the most committed athlete is to because they're just running for a, for a prize. They're just running to win a race. But this is your life. Run to win. You have to decide, I'm going to run to win. I don't know if I have tomorrow, so I'm going to do what I must do today. Because the reality is, we don't know how long we're going to get to build the tower of our life. We just don't. We have no idea. We think we do, but we don't. I've been sharing with you the last couple of months about Vera, who's a part of our church. She's an amazing lady. We prayed for her about three weeks ago. She's at the very end of her struggle, the very end of her life, fighting against cancer. And probably this week or next week is going to step from this life into the next. And she's, she's lived a full life. And the last few weeks have been so challenging for her. When we first sat with her, she just said, this, this sucks. I don't want to die. I still got life to live. I still have things I want to do. I still have stuff I want to get done. I still have places I want to go. I still have family I want to be with. I don't want to die. I spent the last few weeks just with those words echoing in my, because it doesn't matter. (laughs) She arrived to a place where cancer snuck up on her and now it's here. The end is here. And she wasn't, she's just like, I didn't think it was coming now. And she has a strong faith and she's going to step from this life. And when she opens her life in the next, she's going to be looking at her savior. In fact, she, we sat with her yesterday and she said, three years ago, I thought I moved here for my grandkids. She said these words to us yesterday. She goes, I look back now and I realize, no, God moved me here so I could be a part of this church so that I could know Jesus and I could be ready to step into eternity. See, but the truth is, is You think you have plenty of time to build the tower that is your life, but the only day that we know that we have is today. If you wait until tomorrow to build the life that God is calling you to, one day it'll be too late. It just will. Why not choose today to be who God created you to be? Why not choose today to live the life that you were created to live? You got to decide what you want. You got to determine what it'll take, and then you got to do what you must I don't know about you, but I am, I'm stepping into this next year. I'm ready to build some new things into my life. I'm ready to build some new things in our church. And here's the thing. The, the life that you're living is directly connected to the person that you're becoming. And this is huge. Super simple, but it's really important. Because oftentimes, we want to live a particular life. I talked about this a little while ago. But we're not willing to become the person that matches that life. But you can't have a new life or a new future or even a new direction without a new you. 
What's funny about human nature is wherever you are right now in this conversation, I'm pretty sure you know the next steps for you. You know the choices that you need to make for this year. You know what you've been putting off. You know what you've been avoiding. You know where you've been holding back in your relationship with God and your family in relationships. It's not a mystery. It's not that complicated. And honestly, if you don't know, ask your friends. They know. And they know that you know. And then once you know, do what you must. No excuses, no blaming. Do what you must to become who you must become. They're your choices. Nobody can make them for you, including God. He will not build the tower for you, but he will give you the power and the strength and the courage and the resolve and the faith to build your life. And you're not going to do it perfectly. It's okay to have a, a wonky tower, but you can do it with his help. You can do it with his strength. That change, that direction, that life always begins with you and me. For some of us, the, the, the first stone for building your tower, the tower of your life, is to actually finally, fully put your life in the hands of Jesus. Not just be a church person, not just believe in God, but to actually step into a relationship with Jesus, which is truthfully the entire context of what Jesus is talking about in Luke 14. And, and the reason this conversation comes up, if you go back and read the story, there's this huge crowd of people Word has gotten out that Jesus is incredible. He's done some miracles. He's fed people. And who doesn't want to follow around a guy and get free food? He does miracles. And they're like, this guy's pretty cool. He might be the savior. He's definitely a prophet. And so this massive crowd is starting to gather and follow him around. And Jesus, he's not like us. Because if we were doing that, we'd be like, woo, tell your friends, get the crowd, build the crowd. Let's get a bigger crowd. But Jesus turns and does the opposite. Jesus turns and then begins to tell them about building towers and kings going off to war. And he's going, if you're not willing to count the cost, if you're not willing to pay the price, this probably isn't for you. He's going, you need to count the cost of what it means to follow me because it's going to cost you everything. And I don't know if anybody's ever told you that, but it's true when it comes to your relationship with God, when it comes to being a Jesus follower, it's going to cost you everything. See, Jesus gave his life for our freedom and for our life, but God can't put the life he created you to live inside of you if you won't surrender the life that you have without him. He will not force you to let go of the life that you're living to take hold of the life that he wants to give you. It's going to cost you. But here's the beautiful truth this morning, that the secret to building a new you is letting Jesus be the architect of your life. In fact, the scriptures say in 2 Corinthians that if anybody is in Christ, if anybody has made that trade, if they've let go of the life they had and taken on and taken hold of and grabbed a hold of the life that he's offering, that they're a new creation, that the old has gone, that tower got torn down, and that everything is new. You have to, you have to decide what you want. You have to determine what it's going to take this year for you to move in that direction. And then you have to do what you must. Let's pray together.